Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Good morning, good morning, good morning, rise and shine. You're on with the due time with Pastor Steph. How are you this morning? That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So. Where were you yesterday? Ah, yesterday we were shaking the Monday morning blues. And I guess you could say with the second set of due time crew. Yes, we recapped the weekend event of the year, the breaking, the yoke, women. Conference 2023. Now, were you there? If you were not there, and all you got was a recap, I can't tell you how you was missing some things. Oh my goodness, yes. We talked about just the whole entire event, the impact that it had. And, you know, I got to tell you, I was there and was absolutely blown away. You know, from the moment we started talking about the Britain, New York Women's Conference, you know, the ladies started saying that, you know, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be big. It's going to change lives. It's going to be a movement. And I have to tell you, I have never in my life seen anything like it. I have been to a many conference, church events, platform service, but I have to tell you, I mean, it wasn't until Saturday that 
every guest an opportunity to share a space with women of God who work so transparent, who was so brave, who was so uh, determined to really just tell their story. And I got to tell you, there were some tough stories in the room. And I remember when I first got the concept of, of doing the conference um, from God, I, I was a little puzzled because normally, you know, I never do what everyone else does. You know, I've done events for over 35 years, and I've never done what everybody else does. No. I always do something different. I always have my own concept, you know, whatever I do, no one else does. And I got to tell you, it was just amazing because... You know, this conference, you know, I knew was going to be different, but I didn't realize it was going to be that different. And when I tell you, these ladies told stories of, I mean, triumph. You would look at this group of women and you would think that, oh, you know, the stories are typical. They're just going to get up and testify or give a sermon, give a minister. No, no. I tell you, they came and bared their souls. I tell you, they came and they told their stories in only ways that they could tell their story. You know, it was, it was, oh my gosh, to say courageous is like an understatement. It really was, because it's like, who, who tells their story and you're still standing? You know what I'm saying? And, I'm I'm just so blown away by the level of courageousness that was in that room. That they told their story, they didn't walk away holding their head, they didn't walk away in shame, they didn't walk away hiding, they didn't walk away worried about anything. No. And I mean we talked about some real Situations, you know, there was one woman who talked about being on drugs and you know where she is today, and you know, you know, I gotta tell you something. You know, you look at people who who have you know publicly used drugs, and you can tell that they've had a hard life. And I gotta tell you. 
as a matter of fact, there were a couple of ladies in there who could say that they used some level of drugs, and you couldn't you couldn't tell anything. You couldn't tell anything. There was no leftovers, no residual, no. I mean, oh my god, oh my gosh. I mean. <laughs> And when I, when they finished, they were finished. And I remember there was someone who who stepped out. You know, uh, she was supposed to be on the roster, and you know, she was like, "I don't want to. I'm not prepared, you know, to talk about my past." Is what she told someone. I wish she had been there. I wish she had been there because I wanted to say, you got a pass? I want you to stand up here and talk to any of these women. And, and I want you to watch these women because this is what deliverance looks like. You worried about telling your story? Your story ain't worse than anybody else's story. Because we all got a story to tell about our past. And we all got something in our past that keeps us shaking our head at God. You know, there's a saying that says, my soul looks back and wonders how I got over. And I'm like, Y'all didn't bring her. Y'all didn't bring her to hear the story. Because if I were her pastor, she would have been sitting front and center in that place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If one person came from that church, you would have been accompanying them. Because we can't hide from our past. And whether we're ready to tell a story or not, you better get ready. Because let me tell you something. That means that you locked up in jail. You just don't see the bars. When you don't want to talk about your past, that means you're going to live in prison. And one of our ladies actually has a book about being in prison. Yeah. And I really wish this person was there on Sabbath because when you saw the liberty in that room, when you saw the freedom in that room. Do you realize that every time you tell your story of triumph, you go to a higher height in the Lord? I wish I had known this lady would not have been there. Because I would have personally called and said, oh, you need to be here. 
If I were her pastor, she would have been sitting up in that place. Because I'm telling you, I didn't have half the therapy, but I felt more free when each each woman sat out. I felt the freedom in the room. I felt another yoke broken. I felt another level of fire. I felt another level of victory. And it wasn't even my story. So if running from your path is you, then I want you to give Pastor Steph a call. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to get my personal number, 917-518-1141. Because I want to tell you that you can run but you cannot hide. You can run, but you cannot hide. Because, see, this is what the enemy wants. The enemy wants. That's the enemy wants us standing over in a corner, not able to breathe. And that's what it is. It's choking you. He loves to choke you. He loves to choke you. He loves to take his little fingers and put them around your throat and squeeze. If you go to my YouTube channel, a close to walk Christian talk show. There's a, a, a video I have where I tell a testimony of almost being strangled to death by a person that I trusted, I knew, I supposedly loved, and I'm sure I did. And that there was the last time I was choked. And I hadn't told the story. I had been holding on to that story. But when I actually told that story, I there was a level of freedom. If you go back in the archives of this this uh, broadcast, not is due time or pastor stuff, but a closer walk Christian talk show. If you go back right here, or you or you gotta do is type in um, a closer walk Christian talk show. You'll see we did a we did a series um, a domestic violence series. And boy, were the stories told. And Pastor Sharlin is on there. Our Pastor Deb, uh, Deborah Mizak Rogers, who was with us on Sabbath, on the Breaking the Yoke Women's Conference. 
she was there. She told her story. We've got like seven or eight stories, if not more, of just being in prison. And these women on Saturday declared that they were no longer going to be in prison a long time ago. And when they told their stories, I'm sure, on Sabbath, they really felt the freedom that God has for us. And I tell you, and I tell you, and I tell you, the Lord has freedom for you. That's why he died on the cross for you and I. Because he wants freedom for us. He died so that we might live. And to think that people have been introduced to freedom. To think that the warden has gotten his keys taken away. The warden is mad because all the gates have been opened in his prison. You ever seen that prison movie or, or, or story and somebody comes and they steal a key and they go and they unlock that main or they put that main button and all the gates come open and and the, the, the prisoners are standing on the other side of of the, the gate in their cells and they initially they just look at it look at the open doorway because it's like oh free did that door just come open? That's what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He opened up every single prison gate, we no longer have to live in jail. So if there is something holding you down, know that you don't have to live in prison anymore. No serving? You surely don't. Grab your freedom and run. Grab your freedom and fly. Because once you do, you will never be the same again. We're going to be posting, you know, the the conference on our YouTube channel. And I'll let you know that, you know, it's being released. Because you can go on. And just look at another piece of it. So, you know, stay tuned. All right? All right. Today is Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folk Day. And uh, my two cents series ended last week of our Love and Death mini-series from HBO. So we are really on the talk today. So go get that healthy breakfast. So 
go tell somebody that if you turn with Pastor Step is on and whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Five tips for protecting your child's eyes. Spend time outdoors. Regular outdoor activity can reduce the chance a child will become short-sighted. Studies suggest around two hours of outdoor time each day is ideal to help protect your child's vision. Put screens away at bedtime. Using mobile phones or tablet devices directly before bed can interfere with sleep. It is a good idea to switch off devices an hour before turning in for the night. Protect eyes from the sun. Good quality sunglasses help to protect a child's eyes by blocking out harmful UV rays. Eat a healthy diet. Eating five portions of fruit and vegetables each day helps keep eyes healthy. Vitamins found in oily fish and green leafy vegetables are particularly beneficial for your eyes. Book a sight test. Children under the age of 16 are eligible for an NHS-funded sight test and financial help towards the cost of glasses or contact lenses. Children should be seen by an optometrist around the age of three. After this, it is a good idea to take them for a sight test every two years or as often as is recommended by the optometrist. Good morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's in Town with Pastor Steph. And it is Let's Talk About It Tuesday, Church Day. And I'm like a little, I think I'm going to go through some withdrawals today. That was seven consecutive weeks of having my girl Shanti and my friend, my brother, Brother Ainsley, on with me. To talk about my two cents, and I gotta carry the first part of the morning all by myself again. Now y'all know I ain't never short of a word, so I ain't worried about that. But I'm just saying, I'm like, where my part is at? Wow. So, what are we talking about today? I was looking at some of my news, and I was like, wow. What are we talking about? So, how many of you like falafel? Yeah, that's the chickpeas ground, and they make them into like little balls, and they deep fry them. They are so delicious, and they are so healthy. Well, they have a recall on Trader Joe's falafels. Yeah, in 35 states and in Washington, D.C. And they're saying that the supply of Trader Joe's fully cooked falafel um told the grocery chain that 
the falafel might contain wax. Now, how in the world do your, you know, do you put food out that possibly contains wax? What are you doing? Well, this this box of falafel and it's Trader Joe's fully cooked falafel. Eat and eat. They those boxes went out to Florida, Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Alabama, Arkansas, Colorado, Delaware, Georgia, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Maine, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, New Hampshire, New Mexico, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Tennessee, Virginia, Vermont, Wisconsin, and Washington, D.C. And they say that customers with any questions may contact Trader Joe's by emailing them or calling their main site, 626-599-3817. Again, that number is 626-599-3817. And that's Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you have, by any chance, purchased Trader Joe's fully cooked falafel, please do not eat it. It could possibly contain rocks. Isn't that something? Oh my gosh. Alrighty, so there's your warning. What else am I talking about? Now, I have to go back to talking to you all, so I'm trying to figure out what in the world am I going to talk about? Because I'm looking at my news, and I'm not so impressed. But, you know, that's what, once I start talking to the due time crew, I, uh, <clears throat> I always kind of get revived. So they have this story about a mom in Arizona. And I don't even know why I would call her mom. This mother in Arizona who's she's been sentenced to life without the possibility of parole for locking her six-year-old son in a urine-soaked closet and starving him to death. And... You know, I'm trying to figure out, 
yeah, and we talk about this quite often on here on due time. Where's the breakdown? What happens to our what happens to these moms these days? You know, back in the day, you would hear of a mom losing it, you know, something like that. But, you know, after looking at the um, that miniseries we just got finished talking about, you know, it just proves that a lot of people are walking around with a lot of unaddressed issues, unaddressed anger, unaddressed um, situations that they've had that they really don't have any answers to and they just really lose it. Well, this Elizabeth 29 pled guilty back in May to first degree murder and child abuse in 2020 and this little six-year-old weighs no more than 18 pounds when they found him. And, you know, it says that, you know, her lawyer asked that her sentence include the possibility of parole after 35 years. But, the judge was not trying to hear it. He said that he, as far as he was concerned, her actions were heinous, cruel, and depraved uh, behavior, and it warranted her imprisonment for the rest of her natural life. They say that the police detective testified that she had never seen anything like it in her life, that the poor little boy was just bones when she found him. His face was completely sunken. And I mean, if you're six years old, think about your little six-year-old child, niece, nephew, next-door neighbor. Um, you know, and they only weigh 18 pounds. And it wasn't only him who was mistreated or abused. He had a seven-year-old brother who spent 16 hours a day for a month, the two of them, confined to, they say, a 21 by 25-inch closet and reek of foul, awful urine smell. And she said that the... um six-year-old's brother. He was alive, but also severely malnourished. His bones were protruding from his back and ribs. You know, I can't even imagine what some of these cops and detectives, you know, roll up on from time to time. And they have to really look at and be a witness to some of this ill-treatment. Um, you know, it, it's he, the, the judge just was not having it. Um, he was not trying to hear any pleas of anything short of her going to jail for life. 
um, she testified and said, a huge part of me died along with my beautiful child. Not a day goes by that I do not grieve. I am so sorry. The boy's father and grandmother, his mother, also were charged with child abuse and murder, and they have pled not guilty and were being tried separately. And, the, of course, her um, defense attorney is saying that, you know, it, it was those two, the father and his mother, who really forced her to, you know, abuse and mistreat the two little boys and, you know, don't charge her accordingly. But there was never any real story given that indicated that, you know, whatever she did was done under duress. Now, here's the problem with the situation, with what happened. They, the, the, the couple, also had two daughters, ages four and two, and they were found healthy in the apartment. And, you know, I always wondered how you treat, you know, some children, you know, better than others. Now, Think about what they said. These two kids, these two boys, six and seven, were kept in a closet and malnourished. And one was malnourished and mistreated so badly that he lost his life. And at the same time, they're telling this story in court. You know, now, you know, the, her defense attorney is bringing up the fact that when she was um, born, she was addicted to methamphetamine, and she had a traumatic upbringing, and she suffered from mental illness. And again, you know, she's claiming that the mother of, you know, her husband and um, her mother-in-law terrorized her, and, you know, she felt powerless to do anything to improve, you know, the, the life that, you know, she was able to offer her sons, and you know, she's suffering from mental illness. You, you just don't know, you know, what goes on, you know, in, in their private life, and in the home, but something is in balance when you can have two of your children okay and two of your other children not okay. And not only were they mistreated, but they were pretty much starved to death. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do we get there? How do we get um, to the point of, you know, living where we can have such an imbalance of treatment. So, you know, when I say I'm trying to figure out, I ain't scratching my head, but it, it does make me wonder, you know, what exactly goes on in people's 
brains and people's lives and people's minds that, you know, they end up doing stuff like that. Now, here's another story. And, you know, I try to not bring all my stories in one particular, you know, area, but there are just some times when these stories come up, you know, in sync. They come up on the same day and, you know, I decided to partner these two stories up because both of these stories had me just like, wow. So there's this 21-year-old guy in Pennsylvania. And if he gets the same kind of judge that that chick got, we just got finished talking about, um, he won't be seeing the light of day either. And he, he's being convicted of killing his girlfriend's two-year-old daughter while babysitting her for the girlfriend to go to work. He squeezed this baby so tight that it broke her ribs and lacerated her internal organs. Now, he was before a jury, and they said they deliberated for just over one day before returning to find him guilty on one count of each of third-degree murder and endangering the welfare of a child. Oh, my goodness gracious. They um, they say they, the, 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 the uh, cops say they responded to a 911 call about a toddler not breathing. He called in and said that the baby wasn't breathing. And they said when they got there, the baby was unconscious, she wasn't breathing. And by the time um, she got to the hospital, she had completely um, succumbed to her injuries. And they said that she had, like, big bruising a large bruising across her abdomen and a lacerated liver, they say he squeezed her from behind and ultimately caused her to die. And here's the the hurtful part, because they say that her name was Brielle, and they said that her death would have been very slow and painful and they said she was likely alive for 12 to 16 hours after suffering her that fatal injury. So once he squeezed her and it cracked her ribs, broke her ribs rather, and lacerated the organs, she that that's where she suffered. And I tell you, yeah, if she ends up. If he ends up in front of that a judge like that, and that judge hears this, that's it. And they say that the mother of the dog, she uh, she left him with her um, when she went to work, and this is what happened. Now, you know they say that when they asked her, she said she never saw anything, you know, like it. He never treated 
you know, the baby badly and, you know, he had been left alone with her before. And he tried to run. He tried to run um, and hide in somebody's crawl space. Um, you know, these children, we have to keep our babies lifted up before the Lord because these people are, are really sick. And not only do we have to keep our children lifted before the Lord, we have to keep our children lifted before the Lord because we're talking about a 21-year-old man and a 29-year-old woman. They're not old people, especially somebody who's 21. You know, you're just stepping out of, you know, into some level of adulthood, and your lives are gone now, forever probably. You're going to spend the rest of your life in jail. And it always bothers me to see, you know, um, a life given up. And, you know, one of our our ladies on um, Saturday, she she's a correction officer. She's a corrections officer. And as a matter of fact, our pastor just said he used to be a corrections officer. So I don't know, we're going to talk to him today. You know, but it, it's really, you know, and I don't know what I'm going to ask Pastor Jeff. Just, you know, my mind just races when I, I, I read stories like this, that the, 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 the uh, victims are, um, you know, they suffer. And you wonder if these other people have suffered, these perpetrators have suffered as well. And, you know, when they go to jail for life, you know, you know, when they, because Rikers Island is only, you know, for short-termers, um, you know, when they're going back and forth to court or if they're doing under 24 months. They pretty much there. They don't. That's not a long time. They they send them upstate uh, for anything longer than that. Um, This this year, you know, Shanti started to pray for them on Thursdays, and you know, we pray for our entertainers and athletes, and you know, well-known people. And, you know, this this here, this is really something that we really have to really bring before the Lord as, as people of God because this stuff is really, really crazy, really crazy. What else are we talking about before we bring on the Duke Time crew? Well, off that level of news so you know when you fly out and things like that you know to your little vacations and and stuff you want to just fly out in peace and you know you you wonder what in the world goes on in some people's mind and you know when they drink and stuff like that you don't have any idea what's going to end up happening. So they've got this guy on a Delta flight who is drinking like 
crazy. And here, I tell you, there's just no peace in life. So he's on this Delta flight, and they say he's had at least 10 vodkas and a glass of wine. And he starts to grope a 16-year-old girl and her mother. Now, the flight attendant, they are of no use. And I'll tell you why. Because he's buying the drink on the flight. Yeah. He didn't get on their drunk because, you know, they, they're not allowed to let you fly if you are drunk. And, you know, pretty much it's hard to get any liquid through TSA. So that ain't happening before you get on the plane. You had to have gotten, you know, drunk somewhere in the terminal, you know, while you're waiting for the, you know, um, what's called, the, the, the plane. And they say that for nine hours, they said this went on and the flight attendants pretty much ignored what was going on. They flew out from JFK here in New York and they say that the mother and the daughter begged them to stop serving him and they even switched seats at one point and they said not only did this go on for the entire time but when they landed, when they landed in Athens, Greece, they just, the flight attendant just pretty much let him walk off. And I don't, they don't really say what, um, what happened, but they said that in order for them, for him to um, get caught, but they said they just landed, let him walk off. They talked to the woman and her daughter and told them, just you know, ignore it, ignore it. They say that he put his hand up the girl's skirt. He put the, his hand, um, ran his hand down the mother's back, up her skirt. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You know what we always say. Uh, couldn't have been on this side of the fence because it would have been on. It would have been on. And they say that the mom is complaining that the flight attendant pretty much blew her off, told her to be patient. They had just been on this side of the fence. They would have had to land that plane just because the uproar on that bad boy. Those, those pilots would have had to land Cause ain't nowhere in the world it would have been us on a plane, and it wouldn't have been turned up. They they would have been oh yeah they would have been calling the authorities because they would have probably had to carry him off. And they said even people who watched this happen, and you know to think that you know this was common knowledge that people were watching um, this go on. They say the, the girl ended up having a panic attack. And that's how he 
ended up, when she put her head on the mother's lap, he ended up um, running his hand down her back, unloosening her bra strap. Oh, my. This hair? Oh, my gosh. And when she did that, the mother moved the daughter, and then when she moved the daughter, he reached over and put his hand up the mother's leg, and she jumped out of her seat, and she jumped. And I, all I could say to myself was, Lord, this ain't no black people. <laughs> this ain't no black people because it just went and went down like this. Nowhere in the world. Nowhere in the world. Nowhere in the world. This would have happened. Nowhere in the world. It would have been it, it, it'd have been some serious problems. And last, my little story that I wanted to bring up. For those of us who are old enough to remember the preppy killer. Do you remember the preppy killer? Robert Chambers, remember that Jennifer Levin story back in the eighties and um that's when you know, this this one this guy who I mean he was a kid too, he was young. Um, he ended up, like, taking this chick home who just kept making advances at him. They were 19 and 18 years old. And, you know, he was one of those white-collar guys, had money. Um, um, and he ended up taking her, they ended up, I think, in the park. And he ended up strangling her with her underwear. Ah, I got a thumbs up. Yep, that's right. That's right. He killed her in Central Park. And he did it. He did his time. Um, he did 15 years. And, no, he received a 5 to 15 year sentence. And he served his time. He came out and they ended up catching him running some type of, they say, some undercover um, cocaine and heroin operation and with his girlfriend. He was with his girlfriend. They were doing this thing here. And he ended up going back to jail. And... He ended up getting more time for the cocaine and heroin operation than he did for killing her. So he spent 15 years in jail for killing Jennifer Levin. And then he was slapped with a 19-year sentence, which was four years longer than for killing her. And he just got out of jail now. So he spent so many years in jail. He's 56 now. He's been in uh, jail of state. Um, and uh, they're trying to figure out what he's going to do with his life. Because most of his life he spent in jail. While he was 19 when he killed Jennifer Levin. And he's, uh, it didn't take them long 
that it wasn't a long murder trial or anything like that. And then, like I said, he ended up, they said he spent 15 years out of the 19-year sentence that they gave him. He's going to be on parole. And uh, so, listen, you went to jail somewhere around 19, 20 years old. You just spent all this time in jail. And now you come out at 56, and you still got to be on parole until 2028. And we only in 2023. So they're, they're wondering if he's going to make it. Are you going to make it to even your parole? Because most of your life has been spent in jail. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This is really you know, something that, you know, you think about. People just giving up their lives. I just got finished talking about the 21-year-old and the 29-year-old who just gave up their life. Well, here you got this one here. He didn't gave up his life. So they're wondering, hey, you know what? He killed Jennifer Levin. He spent all those years in jail for her. He came out, and not too much longer after that, he ends up in some cocaine and heroin ring. And he ends up going to jail for that. And they're like, oh, we don't think so. <laughs> because what does he know about being on the outside at this point? Well, you know what? You never know. You never know. You know, sometimes people do get tired of being behind bars. And, you know, what do you do? What do you do? Do you come out and toe the line and, and behave yourself? Or do you continue to commit? Crime. Let's talk to our Pastor Jeff. Good morning, Pastor Jeff. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm glad to hear that. I'm actually well, thank you. I'm actually well, thank you. We're pretty scarce today. I don't know where Pastor KL is. He might be in his crazy work mode. So just you and Sean keep hanging out with me today. So we're talking about this 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 crazy trend of crime, and we've got this 29 year old young lady, along with her husband and mother-in-law, who um, starve one of her babies to death, six years old. Um, the seven-year-old he. You know, fortunately, he's still alive, but you don't know what his developmental skills are going to be. But the two baby girls, four and two, are fine. They didn't do anything to them. There was no malnutrition going on. They said the two girls were fine in very good health. And I'm, I'm thinking, Pastor Jeff, you know, what do you think goes through your, you know, through people's head when you have favored children to this degree, where you know the two boys end up starving and your two girls are treated well? How do we get there? <laughs> I mean, I see so much of that, you know, even in my family. Well, I'm probably the least favorite out of all the children. <laughs> um, um, oh. It's just how do we get there? 
It's been going on since the beginning of the time. I mean, look at uh, in the Bible. You know that of how Jacob, you know, loved Esau more than he loved. I mean, not was it who? What was the one that loved Esau more right. than he loved? That was you that know. was that was right. You had and yeah. his wife, and, and then his you one got, loved the baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you got Joseph's father favoring him over all his brethren. I mean, it, it, it's just human. I guess since the fall of man, it's, it's human nature. You like one more than the other. I can, I can say I probably like, you know, one of my children more than I like the other. But, you know, I love them all, you know, but, you know, personalities click, personalities don't, you know. But far as going so far as what you were talking about, the abuse and and, and the, the mess, I mean, that's just pure evil. That's just pure evil, you know. I, there's no more to say to that. that. How do we get there? That's a demonic possession there, in my opinion. And how could how could you do that to a child? I mean, I don't care if you, you can't stand that child. The child is weaker than you, you know, smaller than you, you know. And and, how, and you know, I'm with the Bible. You know, you mess with one of these little children, it's better that a mouse don't be, you know, wrapped around your neck and you cast into the sea. Because you know, I I give no excuses for that. You know, an accident, okay, you know, accidents can happen. But deliberate abuse, nah. Like that, nah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, and, and I do get it. You know, you brought up Jacob and Esau and, you know, their father Isaac, you know, and, and how, you know, they want the mother loved one and the father loved the other more. And you brought up, you know, Jacob, who, you know, look at the generational um, continuation of that. You do, you come from, you know, Isaac loved um, one, the mother loved the other. And then Jacob ends up perpetrating and doing the same thing with Joseph because Joseph was born to him in his older age. So that's one of the things that, you see, we always talk about these generational curses and how things just go on and on and on. And you would think that, you know, when, if it happens to us, we won't continue. But it does. Clearly here. Um, DNA is something else. Yeah. The DNA. It is. It is. It's, yes. It is crazy. And, you know, sorry to hear that, you know, this stuff doesn't stop, you know. And like you said, this the, uh, the literal abuse, you know, and we're talking about physical abuse versus, let's say, emotional or mental abuse, you know. But what do we, you know, the comparison to it all is, you know, is it the same? Yeah, at the end of the day, it ends up being the same. The only thing we see is the out, you know, you could see the, the, the damage that was done 
with the malnutrition. You don't always see the mental or the emotional um, result of your abuse, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that can't be so, seen readily unless you know what to no. look for. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, so it, it's it's very difficult to see, you know, this kind of stuff go on. You know, I think we may have touched on this before, Pastor. You know, they always say that, you know, when these people go to prison, that they have a difficult time in there because the inmates have heard about what they've done. And what happens inside um, sometimes I know you can't speak for every absolutely everything, but what happens? Do they always separate them? Do they initially separate them or do they end up separate? You know what I'm saying? What happens well, when they go inside? When 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 that crime is known, they will they will separate you. They already know what's gonna to happen to you. You know, they, they, they'll put you, you know, in PC, protective custody, and, and, you know, and have you with other pedophiles and other, rape, you know, rapists, children rapists. So they, 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 for the most part, keep them together. But, of course, some slip through the cracks and end up in general population. And, you know, as long as their stuff's not found out, then nothing happens. But if it, if it gets found out, you know, you know what time it is, but it, it amazes me though because half the people that you know do you know in there that will inflict harm on the pedophile, a lot of them pedophiles themselves. You know, they just got away with it. You know, wow. <laughs> so it's kind of ironic. You know, we in there they got you know they got their codes, but nobody's living by none of the codes. You know. Wow. Wow, wow. Yeah, because you wonder, you know, if you committed these crimes yourself, was, you know, how do you, you know, and you know what, let me say this, because I, I know what they think. You know, we always think of gradation of sin. You know, my sin ain't as bad as your sin. You know, my my act of, of, of crime ain't as bad as your act of crime. And that's how, you know, I, I raped a woman versus you raping a, 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 an infant or an old lady, you know, or a child, you know, um, is is worse than me actually raping a woman. So this is how we get to, you know, my sin ain't as, as, as great as yours. So therefore, um, you know, I render you a more heinous, criminal than me, so we end up as pedophiles hurting you, and we pedophiles ourselves, you know, so it, 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 it's weird, it's so weird that, you know, this is the way we think, this is the way we think, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these kids, they're kids, Pastor Jeff, you're 21 years old, in a sense, you're still a kid. 
what do you, as a man, let me ask you, as, to me, um, I know you're an adult legally at 18, but in my opinion, at 21, you're still a stupid kid. Do you think that way? Yeah. I mean, maturity level. I mean, I have an 18-year-old son, and he's not ready. And I know he's not ready. He still he still wants to play. You know, he, you know, everybody's not ready. Then you got some that are over ready. You know, they they you know they're grown <laughs> like me. At eighteen, you know, I was grown. You know, I was out of my own. I had a grown man's job. I worked for the city. You know, and you know, and then by nineteen I had a child. So I I. My maturity level was totally different. My my son's maturity level is still at a teenager, a child, and he's not ready. But that's because of me. I shielded him too much. I didn't allow him to, you know, to get ready. You know. So now. So how do you I correct to, that? I, ahead, how do you turn listen, that around? I'm, I'm praying to God to help me, give me the wisdom to correct it, because I see that he's not prepared for life because this world is really tough and he don't see it because I've spoiled him and, you know, given him almost everything and not allowed him to have, you know, have to grow up, you know, and I, I did that because I grew up too fast, you know? Right. Right. And I didn't want that for him, but then I, I you know, I feel like I messed him up. He's not ready. And that's how it is. You, you know, a lot of these 21-year-olds, they, they're not ready. There's no maturity there, you know, and it depends on the individual. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let, let's bring Shantice in on this conversation and get a millennial thought, Pastor Jeff, as to, you know, what they think um, as far as readiness and when you're 21 and, you know, you've been shielded. Or, you know, we have some people, um, Pastor Jeff, that throw their kids to the wolves. And we're going to come back to that. So, Shanti's remind me because I may forget. But good morning, Shanti. Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Steph. Good morning, Pastor Jeff. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we're talking about maturity and you know, a lot of these stories we read, you know, I look at it and I'm like, he's 21 years old. He's 21 years old. You know, somebody left him, a girlfriend, left him to babysit her child um, while she went to work. Now, didn't we just hear about this uh, on, on Sabbath? <laughs> you know, this yeah. when when you, you got him home. And you, you are working. We coming back to that, Pastor Jeff. Remind me of that, because I got like a whole lot of thoughts going on in my head right now. And I think it's an interesting dynamic. The three of us, um, you and I, Pastor Jeff, are the same age, um, and Shantice is is a millennial. But I love the fact that we have this mixture between male and female, because there's a lot of dynamics going on here. So you have this 21 year old who's being left in the home with your child while you go to work. Now, while I left you with my child, you now squeeze my baby to death. And I'm mm-hmm. saying, well, 
you left them with the responsibility of someone who needed to be more mature to babysit. You clearly mm-hmm. didn't assess properly. And now you've lost your life. The baby didn't lose her life. Mama didn't lose her life. And you get ready to lose your life to the prison system. And you're a baby. You're a baby. Mm-hmm. Do you think as a seven-year-old young woman that a 21-year-old male is a baby, Shanti? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you, they like to think that, you know, whether male or female, but especially male, you know, they love to think that they're grown, but there, there's a lot of these 21-year-olds today. You have some of the teenagers that are more mature than them. It's weird. It's so weird. It's like it really has everything to do with their upbringing, everything to do with their current surroundings. Who are they keeping themselves surrounded with? Are they surrounded with people who hold them accountable who teach them responsibility, who, because I can't imagine, there's too much carelessness with who I leave my child with. And if you don't have a child, you know, even when you do, but especially if you don't, that, you know, sends some red flags right there because there's a lot of responsibility into caring for a child, especially a child that age. But they don't, you know, their mentality is all over the place. They still want to run the streets, but they want to be deemed grown. You know, they don't want any responsibility, but they want to be deemed grown. So, I, absolutely, they are still considered babies. And it's not even to, you know, there's no shade. There's no condescending. It is what it is. You're still a baby at 21. Mm, mm, mm. Pastor Jeff, on on Saturday we had a women's conference, and um, one of the topics was um, um, healthy and toxic relationships. And one of the points that came up was, you know, we look for these responsibility levels from men who are not ready, plain simple as that. They're not ready. And, you know, she didn't talk about any particular age, but you're not ready. And she brought up the fact that here you are, a a working woman, you know, you're bringing something to the table, and we need to require these men who we're dating and things like that to bring um, to bring something to the table as well. And, you know, some, some might think it's kind of harsh, you know, but, you know, we were definitely, uh, you know, in an uproar putting thumbs up. What do you say as a man? So you just got finished saying you have a son who you shielded because you loved him. Because you knew what you were doing at the age of 18, how you grew up too fast. And now, you know, it's not irreversible, unfortunately, but now you got to strategize and seek the Lord as to how you go further. 
Now you have women out here who are 18, who well advanced past our 18, some of our 18-year-old men. Now they forget that there are men who are 18, 21, who are not where they are. What do you tell, what would you tell your daughter about dating a man who was not, you know, as responsible or didn't have the same mentality as, as she? Well, I mean, you know, you know the vein that I that I talk to my daughters. And first of all, you unequally yoked is not going to work. So if you think that's going to work, it's not going to work. So you you have to find somebody that is at least close to or more mature than you. You know, that's what I tell my daughters um, and my son, you know, to a certain degree, because it's like you got to be on the same vein. I was having a discussion with a few people, and we were talking about how they get the guys, like the pedophile guys, for messing with underage girls, right? But there are women that are overage, but mentally underage. And it's a lot of them out there. They, you know, mental deficiencies, but their bodies are mature. And these men, you know, there's men that know how to, you know, peep that. And, and it's like, they get away with almost really being a pedophile because they know that that woman has a child like mine. And that's vice versa. You know, um, I have a, a brother-in-law that got snatched up by an older, older woman. And, uh, you know, and I'm just angry, you know, about, cause I she knew exactly what she was dealing with. He was a crack baby and he has some mental things there and she snatched him up and, you know, and just, you know, bragging about how much he loves her and he's into it. And it makes me angry because, yeah, he's grown, but he's not grown, you know. And you took advantage of that, and you know you did, you know. So I don't know. You know, what do you – I don't even remember. I'm sorry, I went on a tangent, so I don't know what the question was now. <laughs> it's okay, Pastor <laughs> Jeff. It happens quite often here on this due time. You ain't alone. Oh, I know I'm definitely guilty of it, but we all do it. Because as you start thinking, all of these things start coming to mind. And you're right, you know, you have this, 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 the women perpetrate, you know, that, you know, they have it and they really don't. So, therefore, they end up getting snatched up. And then you have the young men who, you know, somehow they put that out there. And like you said, sometimes, you know, there are women who actually take advantage of men the same way that men take advantage of the women. And now you have an issue here because you've got this imbalance and now you have, you know, someone taking advantage of the other one. And, you know, how do you fix this? And that's one of the biggest issues. And we we got Pastor Kim is actually on the line, so we're going to give her an opportunity to hear a little more of this conversation before, you know, we uh, open up her mic and let her jump in. But Shantice, you know, Pastor Jeff's discussion is bringing up another dynamic, only, you know, do, you know, um, these young men go out and, you know, make it appear as though they got it and they really don't. 
And now you have the women who, you know, they call them cougars, you know, when they get to be a little older. <laughs> and they, you know, mm-hmm. jump up out here and they snap young men. What's your thought on on that? That that just shows, and it's not every case, but a lot, a lot of the times that goes to show the maturity level of the woman. You know, I'm 37. If I meet someone and they tell me they're 30 already, I'm like, I don't know about this. And he could be, you know, very mature mentally, emotionally, spiritually, but you have automatically you understand that at 30 and 37, you're at two different stages in your life for, for the most part in, in general. We're not talking about the exceptions. So why is it that I, as a woman, would want to deal with someone that's almost 10 years younger than me? That's a whole lot of time that has to be taken to explain why I am the way I am, why I don't do certain things anymore, so on and so forth. You know, that's a lot of coercion if you decide to do things properly. And what happens a lot of times with these women who now go after younger men is they figure, oh, I can indirectly groom him and not have to take the time because my age should automatically tell him I know best. So whatever I say goes. So now I can be dominant and I can control this and so on and so forth. And that shows their maturity level is in the toilet. You know, so a lot of the times when these women now want to be coolest out here, it's because they know that they don't have the maturity level to deal with a man their age who is on point. They know they're not going to be able to go to a man around their age who's on point and do and say the things that they do and say with these young men. So that automatically shows you right there, like, okay, so where is your, what kind of conversations do you plan on having a lot of the times with someone 10 years younger than you? Mm. Well, let's talk to Pastor Kim and see what she thinks and if she agrees with what you're saying, Shanti. Good morning, Pastor Kim. Welcome. Pastor Kim, you talking to the mute button? No. Good morning. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Tuesday. Let's talk about it. Tuesday Church Folk Day. Um, thank you for joining us this morning. We're talking about, you know, uh, we switched the dynamic a little bit, and we're talking about the fact that there are women who are older who, you know, um, who are out here dating younger men. Pastor Jeff just got finished saying that he knows of a situation where, you know, the woman um, is is dating this younger man, and she knows that there's some developmental issues pretty much, and she's taking advantage. And, you know, why do you think, you know, older women are jumping on this younger man type thing? And she knows that women tend to develop more quicker uh, quicker than men anyway. So you know there's a big deficiency there. What do you think that's about, Pastor Tim? 
you know, to be honest, I think that, um, in, in my own personal opinion, I think that sometimes um, these women that are dating um, younger men because, one, some of the women um, that even though most women are more mature than men, you know, um, you have some women that their maturity level may not be, you know, um, on a more mature level. So um, because they might be uh, a little slower, you know, um, that they might, might find some um, compatible to where they are. You know, you got some women, um, and I think they might call them cougars or, or whatever it is that they call these women that go after these young men because um, sometimes, and, and I'm not speaking, I'm not, y'all don't, I'm, I mean, I'm just saying what I heard, okay, that um, sometimes these women like these young men because when we, as women, when we get older and things um Start happening in um, the men, uh, the men that are in our age group. Um, things stop operating. Um, I'm gonna be wise about how I say this, but um, things are not operational um, the way that they um, are in the younger men. You know, so if you find a man that is um, maybe in his 60s and he has high blood pressure or diabetes and he's taking medication and it's causing some um, disabilities, then therefore women, they want something that's going to perform a little differently. So they figure, hey, let me go get me a little young buck, (laughs) you know, that's going to be able to put it down thick and heavy, you know, so they go for that, right. you know. Um, and I'm not talking about Christian women because I know Christian women wouldn't, you know, have that mindset to even be out there like that. But um, we talk about women in the world that are um, probably not saved. But um, you know, you have different folks, you know, people you know, um, if you are an immature woman, because I know if, if for myself I'll speak, uh, growing up I could always remember being um, so much more mature, and, and that was probably because of some of the things that I dealt with at a young age um, or a younger age, should I say, that made me more mature. And I couldn't date guys that were like in my age group. I always had to have more mature men, you know, so to um, go trying to date a man, you know, 20 years younger than me. And I I know some people that have married uh, men that are 10 years younger than them, and um, they're really happy. You know, so if you find a younger man that is mature, then that's an awesome and wonderful, wonderful thing if he's on your level. You know, he might be successful. He might have a, a strong level head on him. He might be a man of God, you know, that is uh, really and truly uh, more mature than his age, and that can be wonderful. So, you know, you got different um, situations for different people. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we're, we're talking, how we got started is we're talking about the fact that, you know, these, you know, these, these, you know, they're 21 years old and they think 
that they're ready for the world. And, you know, we were talking about the women's conference where, you know, uh, Pastor Janae, you know, talked about, hey, you know, be careful of, of you know, who you accept and, and things like that. And, you know, Pastor Jeff, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. You, you, you know, your daughter's out here dating, and she's a woman. She's a woman. And, you know, yes, I know you can mind your own business, so please don't tell me that. I know you can mind your own business, but you're not. Let's, let's put this in a scenario that Pastor Jeff said, I'm not minding my business. I'm looking at this thing, and I need to open up my mouth. You know, what do you say to your daughter who is dating a man who is clearly beneath her standards? You can look at this thing from a mile away, and you can see that, yo, you got yourself together. What do you, you know, see in a man who is just doing nothing? What do you say to her, Pastor Jeff? I mean, I say a whole lot, <laughs> but, you know, you got to be wise in, in how you approach that situation. I remember, I, I do have a 37-year-old daughter who who's dating. So, I, you know, I, I, you know, one of the little pit squeaks she brought by, I, you know, I tried to tell her about it, <laughs> you know, but she had to find out the hard way, you know. And I warned her about the dude she's with now. You know, he's a good guy, but I, I tell her, you know, from a man's perspective, listen, he's doing this because of this, and he's doing that because of this. So be careful this and that. But, I mean, what do you say? You say everything that you can. You, your daughter, you know, you you give him all you can. But, you know, for the most part, you got to pray because, you know, they, you know, so so much. I need a man. Uh, I'm so lonely. Uh, I don't want to be by myself. I'll just take, I'll take a pair of pants, you know, that, that, that's out there. And I see a lot, a lot of women doing it, you know, they, it's like, and loneliness is something, man. I mean, it's, it's something. It'll, it'll, it'll drive you just, just, even if he's a dumb, dumb, just have a dumb, dumb that you can talk at, even though you can't talk to, you know? <laughs> Men answer the question so differently than women. Had I asked either one of these ladies, they would have been giving me detail. I would have said X, Y, Z. Whether she felt it was right or wrong, she would have been giving me detail. Men are listening, Pastor Jeff, and you are a man of God. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, happens in, in, in our life is, as mothers and fathers, we don't always say the right thing. You know, as a mother, you know, I, I, I've had to tell, you know, Shantice about a dumb dumb or two. <laughs> I've had to tell my other girls about a dumb dumb or two, you know. But, you know, it, and it doesn't, and sometimes by the time you say it, it's, you're just at your frustration level and, Things are coming out, and when you think about it, hindsight is twenty twenty. You're like, Dad, I could have said that a little differently. So that's why I'm asking for detail because there's a man that's listening, that's that's saying, you know, some wrong things out there. You know, so let me ask you this: if it didn't answer directly the first time, let me ask you it this way: 
What don't you say? Let's put it like that. If a, you know a man, you're standing on the sideline, and you're actually hearing this conversation with him and his adult daughter, and you know you've made certain mistakes, what is the one thing, Pastor Jeff, you don't say because that just didn't work? How would you answer that one? What you don't... <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Um, I, you, you, you don't say a lot because just like if my daughter, the guy I liked that would have been perfect in my eyes, I told her that she cuts him off. You know, so mm-hmm. you, you know you got to use psychology. You really don't say a lot. You got to find other ways of letting them see it. Rather than you saying it, you know, you got to try to expose it where they can grasp it. Because you say it, they're going to do the opposite most of the time. Mm, okay, okay. Let me, let me show you the difference. Let me show you the difference. Shanti, what don't you say? You don't say he's a bum. You stupid... <laughs> He's a drunk. He's a bum. He don't have nothing. You know, he's not on your level. All of those mm-hmm. things, I, I, you know, I found it, you know, it's better not to say anything. It's better to just pray because soul ties are soul ties. And when people have found themselves um, entangled with somebody or if they've gotten or are looking for love in all the wrong places for all the wrong reasons, you know, um, you, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, they, they love them even the more just because they know that they're not supposed to, or they shouldn't, you know, or because this person is not that rebellious, you know, disobedient, you know, um, that that spirit that's just being deceived. They don't love is like they say love you can be blind sometimes. So they're not seeing this individual as a bum 
or somebody that don't have nothing or somebody that's using you. Or, you know, you don't see that. All you see is that this man make me feel good. This man tell me all the right things that I want to hear. And so mama don't know what she's talking about. She's just old and over there because she ain't got no man. <laughs> she don't want me to have nobody. <laughs> she, don't, she don't know what she's talking about. Eventually she'll come around and see, baby, that you all of that and a bag of chips, you know. So that's what deception does. It, it, you know, I listen to, um, I, I listen to you all, and I laugh because what you say is a- absolutely true. For some reason, and I, I was just, I wasn't like that. I, I never understood that concept. And Pastor Charlene actually talked about that um, last week, and she said that if you told her not to, she mm-hmm. that, that was her thing. And she actually said it Saturday. She was like, if you yes, told me not to, yeah, she said when 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 her mother told her not to, um, uh, 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 she that was her, that was something I am going to. She said when 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 the 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 family told her the next time, that was what she did, and I never understood that when when people do that, but that's like you all have said. For some reason, you know, you go. For some reason, people just go that direction because I really believe they feel like they're trying to prove you wrong. And, you know, they think if they hang in there, you know, they'll eventually, like you said, Pastor Kim, you know, they'll they'll eventually see. And, you know, what's interesting, and that's what I said from the beginning, this is an interesting dynamic because Pastor Jeff is, is a man who's talking, but we find that as mothers, we there's no different results. There's no different result. When, when, when you as a dad, uh, Pastor Jeff, tell your daughter, you just got finished saying the same thing. It's the same thing Pastor uh, Kim and Shanti said. And I'm telling you, it's like, yo, when you tell them, it's like that is like fuel to send them in the wrong direction. And it's hard as parents to not say, what do you want with him? His head is nappy. You, if you don't want to comb your hair, something is wrong. What is the problem? If he don't want to go get a job, something is wrong. How could it be when you are so goal-oriented and on fire and you could actually hang with somebody who's in the complete opposite direction, and I don't get it. Pastor Jeff, I'm going to ask you, why do we want men, in your opinion, who just don't want to do nothing? (laughs) I mean, how can I answer why do you want men who don't want to do nothing? Maybe it's because there's a lot of men that don't want to do nothing. (laughs) There's <laughs> a lot of men that don't want to do nothing. So the choice, the you know, the selection and picking is there, I would assume. You know, because I talk to a lot of brothers and they ain't doing nothing. They have no dreams, no vision, you know, and the pickings are, are slim. That's why I say 
all single women need to go move to Africa. I mean, Alaska, where 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 it's the opposite there. <laughs> you know, so your pickings can be a little bigger. <laughs> I think I may have to hit you up on that advice, Pastor Jeff. So when I'm calling y'all and I'm telling y'all I'm shivering on the on the morning show, y'all will understand why I went over there to find a husband. <laughs> Because the pickings are so slim. The, so the limb. men are over there fighting. The men are over there fighting over women, boy. <laughs> <laughs> let's, 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 let's get a little church folk in for our last few minutes. You know, women, you know, I think it was Pastor Kim who said, you know, um, you know, the cougars. Are not in the in the Christian community, and I'm Pastor Kim. I think you need to come over here to New York because um, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the Christian women over here are quite different. <laughs> you, they are in right? the church, and yes, ma'am. And I'm trying to figure out why are we? You know, we talked about this Saturday. Why are we acting like the women in the world? You know, we are supposed to be the ones wow. who are, you know, who, who, who says who spoke? Pastor Jeff. Did you, Pastor Jeff? I'm, I'm still here. No, I thought you said something. I was trying to say. No, I didn't say anything. I don't understand Somebody why. said something, but it wasn't me. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it wasn't me. Okay, Pastor Jeff. So you always come out with the. I, I, I've been there. I've seen it. We are looking at a group of women who are in the church who are now acting like women who are outside of the church, where we're supposed to be the ones who are faithful, who are um, trusting God, who are believing God for something better, something bigger. But we're actually making the same bad decisions when it comes to men or, you know, as the women in, who are not in the church, what are you seeing? Well, what I do see is, you know, when I was a single man, the church is the best place to run through because the women come there, you know, like hungry, and, and, and their their main purpose wasn't to praise God; it was coming to get a husband. So. That was that was the, you know the, the the place to do your thing if you was a brother, you know trying to, you know run through, you know I mean the church women that that's just women from the world that came into the church. I mean women are women, so mm-hmm. you know it's no different. That now you got okay a woman that accepted Jesus just because they accepted Jesus don't mean that their mentality or their psyche has changed. There's a whole lot a word walking that be done before they can get to that level to even choose a man correctly. But they, they rush in there. I'm hungry. I need a man. I have something. I'm lonely. You know? God, please, I'm, I'm going to come to you first. You know, where does loneliness take you to, and, and why does, why, you know, a loneliness, still take us to the same place as women 
in you know who are supposed to be in the law because I agree one hundred percent with Pastor Jeff. You know, again, the church, a lot of it is the world that just came into the church house. You know, they've been converted, and they bring all of that into the church, and now it looks like outside underneath the underneath the roof of a church. You know, what are we looking for, and why are we uh, giving up instead of holding out for God? You're, you're younger. Pastor Kim has not put me up a different answer. Coming into church desperate. We're coming into church with a lot of expectations on God. You know, okay, God, you told me to come. I'm finally here. So that means you're going to meet every need because you know I want a man. You know what the type of man I want. So I should be able to walk into this church and find something. All right, so I'm willing to drop my standards as long as you give me something. And then we end up choosing on our own. And we end up choosing other bozos that come in church just looking for something and now <laughs> it looks it looks worse than the street because in the street at least they try to act like they want you know they're trying to uphold some level of standards we get to church it's just like you got one eye all right come on you can't read it's okay <laughs> let's go and it's what like the desperation <laughs> has to end. It has to stop. You end up, you thinking you just letting go of your standards. You letting go of, like, every bit of quality that you have. You all come to church slow in some areas. But now it's like we can't afford to get slower in the areas where we were looking up at least a little bit. But when we walk into church and all we have it's just desperation in our speech and our sight and our hearing and our intentions and motives and desires and plans. It is safe in the clubs, I'm telling you. It, it just it looks so much worse than industry. We don't look like the street. We look worse than the street. So it's like once we stop acting and talking desperate, then the church will be a much better World. Mm-hmm. Pastor Kim, why are we coming to church so desperate? Because Pastor Jeff is right. You know, we're 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 vulnerable, and they are sensing this. We're hungry, and they're sensing this. We're desperate, and they're sensing this. What do you think is the is the breakdown? Why are we here like this? Well, I think that it's just like the word of God says, that when we're willing to do good, evil is always present. And the minute that we have a plan to get in church and to do the right thing, the devil has a plot. Oh, okay. They trying to they trying to go to church, they trying to do right, but the flesh is weak and and, you know, the brother just, he, he called it out, you know, that that's the way it is. You know, you got, and these brothers, they know, oh, I can go to the church. They they already got them sisters, the, the, the church sisters labeled, you know, that they hot and they horny and they ready and they ripe. 
you know, so let's go get these church sisters because, you know, you you, you got to remember. Okay, so now they didn't came in out the world. They didn't got saved. They didn't found God. They trying to keep themselves pure and holy. Okay, so they know a lot of the women they probably been studying celibacy, you know. But at the same time, you might have been celibate probably for have you just using an example you know you've been using um celibacy and you've been you know keeping yourself and you trying to wait you know but again that's why it's important to know the word of god the bible says when a man finds a wife he finds a good thing and he obtains favor with the lord you know but uh, instead of women um knowing what god's word says and letting that man find them you know um you know, it's like, again, like he says, it's, it's like a, a thirst trap. You know, thirsty and they ready. They see a man, you know, like a, that pastor was talking about seeing that brother. He had the muscles and everything, you know, but I like the fact she did say how she waited, you know, and she waited and she trusted God, you know, um, for a duration okay. of time, you know, and sometimes that's what we got to ask God to teach us how to long suffer. We don't want to suffer nothing. We don't want to wait. We don't want to put this flesh under subjection. But, again, it's because we are not studying the word of God. And if we get some a word life down in us and we know what God's word is telling us, because, see, the devil is an accuser of the brethren. He didn't already went to God and said, let me tell you about what the saints is doing. They in them sheets. You know, <laughs> they coming up in here looking, holding what they with hands and they hats on their head and they long. They all up in the sheets, slipping and tipping and dipping, you know, because <laughs> deception has been from Genesis to Revelations, and we just feed the enemy and make them fat, you know, and that's why, you know, the world is the way it is, because we won't allow God to keep us. He's only going to keep us if we want to be kept. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pastor Jeff, what are we telling from a man's perspective, from a pastor's, ooh, I got Pastor Deb listening. Pastor Deb is listening, and Pastor Deb, um, uh, Pastor Pastor Tim, Pastor Deb is the, is the pastor you just got finished referring to. She just said sometimes deliverance has not taken place. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it hasn't happened. So that's what keeps us vulnerable. Absolutely. Um, thank you for your two cents, Pastor Deb. Welcome, my girl. We got to get you on here. Um, Pastor Jeff, from a male's perspective, from a pastorly um, perspective, um, a, and I want a, a solid man's advice. What are we, you know, we're about to leave our listeners today. What do you want to leave your listeners? What do you want to tell the ladies today? Because you just know how it is. You've been on that side. You know what you're looking for. What are you telling them to be aware and watchful of? I would tell them, let time do what it needs to do. You know, don't rush in. You're coming to the church. Stay in your word. Stay prayful. You know, serve God and let God work on the men that come in 
and don't be jumping for everything that, you know, just walks in. You understand? I'm, I met my wife in church, but I came in that church a mess, okay? And she remained faithful to the Sunday school, remained faithful to the prayer night, and she started getting me to come to prayer night, started getting me to come to Sunday school. You, you understand? She made me literally chase her in the church, all right? I'm chasing around mm-hmm. every Bible study she's going to. But I, the word, mm-hmm. you know, re- rejuvenated me from my backslidden state and washed my mind. And see, she's had a husband for 20 years now. So I'm, I'm saying, take your time. Mm-hmm. Let, let God do what he do. And stop trying to rush all the time because it's the same mistake you made in the world. You're going to make it in the church and the same results. And that's insanity. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that testimony. We had the testimony from Pastor Deb on Sabbath who told us she held out and she held out that finger and said, I held out and I got the man. And here Pastor Jeff on the opposite side from the male perspective and from the man's side says, hold out, ladies, because she made me hold out. And she got the man, but she got the right man. Amen, Pastor Jeff. Thank you so much for giving us that. Pastor Kim, what are we telling our ladies today? Um, I would, uh, again, tell our ladies, you know, wait. Wait on God. You know, know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, you know, and don't waste your pearls on swine. You know, let God, don't go looking for that man. Let that man find you, you know, because, um, and and I like the fact that, like um, uh, Deborah said, uh, Pastor Deborah, uh, Lady Deborah said that, you know, she waited. You know, good things come to those who wait. And when you wait, you know, you will have true bragging about Pastor Deborah and um, the other pastor and her husband since I've come home because a lot of times people have to be an example to show you what it it looks like to see um, people that really and truly have found their soulmate, you know, and when we can be an example to other people, you know, and let them know that it can happen for you, but just wait. We just have to wait and be anxious for nothing. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Kim, for jumping on here today and rounding off our our, our threesome. You know, we normally have three people here. We lost Pastor um, KL today, I guess, to work. Um, our Pastor Charlene is going to be away for a little while, dealing with some health concerns. So we're going to keep her lifted in prayer. And so we're gonna, I'm going to miss my girl's voice. Oh, my goodness gracious. I can't wait till she comes back. But look at how God always has a ram in the bush. Um, Pastor Kim calls in out of nowhere today. And, um, you know, we always have Shanti hanging out in the wings. So, Shanti, from your perspective, you know, what would you tell the ladies um, this morning? Oh. 
I would say listen to Pastor Jeff because that just inspired me. Amen. Amen. To really, um, <laughs> like, seriously, you know, because God, God got me to where, you know, he had me to be able to come to terms with who I was, this whole seductress thing. And just like Pastor Kim said, when you continue to stay in your word and continue to do your part in the binding and bonding of your relationship with God and Jesus, you do understand that it is very much possible. Like this isn't a, a fairy tale that we're reading. This is God's promise to us. And despite what things look like, you know, our flesh and the enemy, they do a mighty work in having us believe that what we actually see is the end all and be all to our life and our situation and that our hope stops there. But when we continue to, you know, pursue and stay and faithful to him, and even when you mess up, you come right back, but you know, God continue to teach us to stay faithful to you. He will show you that these things are very possible. So I would say stick with God and what he's telling you to do, even when it doesn't make sense, even when denying yourself, and your flesh doesn't feel good, you know, just stick to what he's telling you to do and the way he's telling you to do it. Because the way he's teaching me to abstain from sex may not be the same exact way he's teaching the next person to abstain from sex. But whatever his process is for you, don't deny that process and that progress, and you will end up getting exactly what it is that you need and that you want. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, my uh, team, my due time crew this morning for your words of wisdom. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Thank you, Pastor Kim. Thank you, Shantice, for your contribution into today's conversation. And we pray you have a blessed day. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ah. God always got some good stuff for us. Let me get to this benediction. May the God of endurance (laughs) and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 5 and 6. Hmm. You know, I am I am like marveling at God um, because He never leaves you nor forsakes you. You know, everybody tends to believe that's with possessions and money, and you know, this that that is so deep that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And, you know, we started off, you know, in one conversation, and look how, you know, we we are able to get our church folk um, in, as always, and talk about the real us. And God will never leave us nor forsake us just like this. You know, he didn't leave us short of a word this morning. He didn't leave us short of, um, trying to, you know, oh, I don't know what it is. You know, we're scratching our heads, trying to figure it out, 
trying to make it happen, trying to, you know, we're scratching around digging, you know, we're going to go and, and choose our own way trying to make it happen. And, you know, sometimes, some, you know, you may wonder why I ask questions. You know, Pastor just said, well, you know, I don't know how, you know, I can't speak for. Yeah, we can because we've been there. And when I say we can, it may not speak to Mary's situation, but it will definitely speak to someone else's situation. We've all been there. None of us have not come through some um, um, difficult period or some twisted um, mental um, state where God had to get us back on track. And when we um, just dig, just dig a little deeper, you know, I ask you, what do you think? Because sometimes once we put it out there, it gives people food for thought. Would it hit you exactly? Maybe not. But it makes you think. You know, God has given me a tagline amongst many. God is breeding thinkers. You know, a lot of times I have people asking me questions, and I'm not, I don't answer. I don't answer directly. What I do is I ask you a question. Because God is breeding thinkers. God needs you to go back in that word that you read. Now, you know, the, the Bible says, you know, that that word should be hidden in your heart. So even sometimes when you kind of move to the left, when you should be to the right, that word should be hidden in your heart. That when something comes up, it sparks that reminder. It sparks that, that word that's hidden in your heart to be raised. It doesn't always say we're going to walk with the word right in our face. It doesn't, it doesn't say we're going to always walk, walk with the word right in our ear. It doesn't say that we're going to walk with the word that plastered on our forehead. So every time we look in the mirror, it's always going to be there, 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 there. No, what it says is that it's hidden in your heart, which means that all it needs is that little spark. All it needs is that person to ask that question. All it needs is for a person to give their testimony. All it takes is for that person to say that one thing that's going to make that word that's hidden in your heart stand up. And now you say, wait a minute. That word said, my word is for me. That word that was hidden in my heart is for me. Sometimes we don't all read the same versions of the Bible because one version speaks to us a little differently. So that means that when a person says something, you had Pastor Kim, uh, Pastor Jeff, and Shanti all say the same thing, but they said it differently. And they said it from a different perspective, but it was all the same thing. And that's what God does. God will never leave us nor forsake us. There is always a word for us so that when you need it, that word that's hidden in your heart can now take flight. You've been listening to It's Duke Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit as you go through your day. Be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my Duke Time crew this morning for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us. 
please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, when it's Wow Wednesday, God spares our life, I love 